0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show, episode 88. We are here as we are every week in my living room in Manhattan. How you doing? full swing of the new year. Oh my God, it's January. It's only January. I'm already exhausted. Do you not feel the exact same way? I mean, yes, everybody's saying we didn't get over 2021, 2020, barely 2019. And we're already in 2022. But I'm exhausted. Every time I leave my house, phone, wallet, bag, mask, vax card, sanitizer, do I have the booster shot vax card because I lost the first, don't ask, long story. And it's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to go take a nap. Who needs to go out? Who needs it? It's like, do you go out? Do you not go out? Do you go out, and, you know, do you go out for your mental health and try to socialize and sit in restaurants or see friends? Or do you just stay in like a recluse and be, air quotes, safe? but uh, mentally sorry. You know what I'm saying? Fact of the day, 7% of Americans think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny. I just do. I, uh, someone was asking me about dairy cows the other day. What the hell do I know about dairy cows? The only thing I know about dairy cows is my ex-husband's grandparents owned a dairy farm in England. And I do know, I know enough that cows come in lots of colors. They could be tan and brown and golden brown, and they could be red or this black and white. But brown cows don't make chocolate milk. Chocolate in the milk makes the chocolate milk. I also do know, though, that depending on the type of cow, the breed of cow, some breeds produce milk richer in fat. Some produce, you know, uh, more protein in the fat, uh, in the milk fat. But anyway, enough of that. You know in the UK, if somebody calls you a cow, it's an insult, right? You do know that. I used to have a beauty blog, complete tangent, wasn't planning on mentioning this. But I used to have a beauty blog um, back in... 2000 and, ooh, I think I started in 2007, 2008. It was a, I had a good run. It went up until 2012 and it was called Glamour Cow. It was called Glamour Cow and it was a New York on beauty. That was the tagline. And hey, listen, it was very successful. This was before beauty blogs were around. At the time I had uh, built a website on a CMS, a content management system called movable type. I then migrated it, wound up migrating to WordPress when movable type kind of became defunct. And um, it was popular. I had a lot of New York readers. I had 11 writers and all the beauty brands sent all kinds of stuff. Every day I would wake up in my third floor walk-up apartment and there would be tons of bags, swag bags from Ferragamo, Avino, Vaseline, literally all these brands. It was amazing. I couldn't even keep up. I couldn't keep up. And I was so young, I was in my 20s, and uh, I couldn't afford to pay the writers, so I paid them in beauty products. I would send them uh, a little basket of beauty products each week, and they would, you know, have them, use them, wear them, or not. But they had to write about them. They had to write and sort of review them. And all the beauty write-ups were written sort of with this uh, very New York attitude. It was very cute. And this was, uh, and at the time, at the time... um, there was a website, that, Refinery29 had just come out, and it was a real kind of crappy website at the time, and then and then it got an, inject, and then eventually got an injection of cash and became big with a real ad model. But, you know, here's the reason why I stopped the beauty blog. People say to me, you have this big successful blog, why did you stop it? The reason why I stopped the blog is because I had, I was working, my, at the time, I, you know, I was going from job to job, you know, going up the corporate ladder, and at the time i found myself at timeout you know timeout new york timeout la all all the cities and i mm, excuse me needed a cup of coffee anyway at the time i was the digital director of north america that was my job and I was overseeing all of their websites, timeouts websites. And we had the print magazines. But my responsibility was, how do we get them those magazines online? How do we build websites? How do we monetize them? I built the first Google stack. I know that doesn't even make any sense to half of everybody that's listening. But uh, I built a Google remnant, ad remnant, ad model on the back end of these websites. I am nerdy. Full disclosure, accent looks very deceiving. Anyway, um, so I had a boss at the time, and she was a nice lady. She was a very nice lady, but she was not happy that I had this beauty website. She knew I had it. Some of the brands found found me at work, and they were starting to send me packages at work, and I think she got wind of it, and she basically called me in her office and said that it was a conflict of interest because Time Out New York and, and their other magazines... Chicago, dah, dah, dah. we covered uh, fashion and beauty and events in New York. And she did not want anyone working for any kind of competitor or building any kind of competitor. So I, I stopped my website because I was um, upset. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I felt threatened. I needed a job. I didn't have parents supporting me, paying my rent. And it was the dumbest fucking thing I ever did. Because you know what? First of all, first of all, let me tell you something. Okay, and again, I wasn't planning on talking about this for I, but I know I have a lot of young listeners out there or girls that are trying to start and guys starting trying to start businesses. And let me tell you something. This lady, she she was uh, about at the time she was maybe like in her 40s, early, maybe 40, 41. And she, you know, and she was a she was an executive in publishing. She was the publisher um, of the U.S. for Time Out. She was successful lady. She had a great big office. She dressed great. I I really looked up to her. But she probably had ideas for business too throughout her twenties and thirties. And whether she started them or didn't start them or just let them pass through her head, she should have embraced my entrepreneurial spirit. She should have embraced my entrepreneurial spirit and uh, she should have encouraged me to do the website and she should have understood that a lot of businesses that people start don't wind up working out in the long run and that people need passion projects. And she didn't do that. She did not do that. She basically um, was felt threatened. She felt insecure for whatever reason, maybe because she knew it would have been a success. Who knows? But she didn't like it and, and, and out of in- sheer intimidation, And the need for a salary, I stopped. And at the time, you know, I have two younger sisters. And uh, one of my my youngest sisters is about 14 years younger than me, much younger. And my mom, you know, my parents were divorced. My mother was busy with the kids. My mom, you know, working. A gastroenterologist, just busy, busy. Nobody was paying attention to me calling them up and saying, Mom, I have this beauty blog and my boss is telling me that I should shut it down. My mother would have been like, so shut it down. You need a job. That was like the mentality, right? So... I wound up doing it, and it was a big lesson learned, and that was don't let anybody scare you or, or take away things that you've built. And let me tell you something else about that job. There was a guy, he worked for me. He, I was his manager. His name was Larry. I don't know where Larry is today, but Larry had also a website. And it was, uh, it was a food website. And I don't know if I've ever told you the story before, but he had a food website and he would go, it was called like the NYC Food Guy or something. And again, this is when blogs were not a thing. Blogs were not a thing. It was like just some nerds figuring out how to build websites. And he went around to restaurants and interviewed restaurants and reviewed them. And he had a big following on his, his website. I mean, I don't know, maybe he had 50, 100,000 readers. He really had a lot. And she did the same thing. She called me into his office, her office, though, so about him, and told me I should tell him to shut it down. And you know what I did? I told him, don't you dare. You keep it. And I said, you know what? You probably should find a new job where you're at it. Not because I don't love you. I did. I actually really liked him. Not because I don't want you working here. I said, you should work somewhere where people are going to embrace embrace all of this stuff. Because somebody will. Some job will. They will. They'll realize you're a diamond in, a, in the rough. Or you're just a diamond. You're on the come-up. And they're going to encourage you. And I want to encourage you but I'm working for this lady, this wench who, who, who's horrible. And, um, and Larry went on and eventually Larry was a producer at the Chew, um, the website uh, the, sorry, the, the TV show on, I think that was on ABC or, uh, NBC. I don't know where he is now, but I should look him up because I, I think about Larry from time to time. Anywho, work story over. Bob Saget died, so sad. Betty White, Sydney Portier. Speaking of the publishing industry, is it? I don't know if you saw up the cover of People magazine. People magazine had their artwork and creative all set up uh, for the the her, Betty White's hundredth birthday, and it must have already went to print and. Um, And then she passed away. And they ran it anyway. I was surprised that they ran it anyway. Like, was it already in the mailboxes of of your subscribers' homes? Was it already on the newsstand, People Magazine, that you thought that you should sell a magazine cover that had Betty White turns 100? Yay, yay, she's amazing. The longest lady in showbiz ever. And then she she, died. Was it already on the stands when you decided to sell it? Because... If it was still impressed, you know, what you could have done is you could have printed a rap, right? They could have printed a rap that said, oops, we fucked up. Betty White passes away at 99. Still the most fabulous movie star ever. You know, I mean, they could have really made like a funny blooper out of it. But what they did was they ignored it um, and they, they, it was, it went to press or, or it was already on the newsstands. But I think that People magazine, um, considering that they're an entertainment gossip magazine, uh, they could have been funny about it. They could have been funny about it, and the conversation um, that I had with a friend of mine uh, about the People magazine, um, and and I'll tell you now is 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 again uh, old guard sort of management because I don't know who's running People magazine. I should know. I I, I should know because again I was in that that industry for a long time. But um, mm, it's probably some. Old white guy that's seventy five years old in a corner office. No offense to you if you're listening. Um, that saying, it went to print. It went to print. And what are we gonna do? We're just gonna just turn our eyes and we're gonna ignore it. We'll run a story about how fabulous Betty White was, and she was she was the best of our time. But if it was uh, somebody that was 35, 40, 45 in that corner office, you know, somebody that was a little more hip, they would say, oh, God, we fucked up. Let's find something funny and make some sort of a blooper thing about it and then honor the shit out of Betty White. Make the whole next issue all about Betty White. Let's put out a Betty White book. But no, you know what? This is the problem. This is the problem with these managers. But Bob Saget, oh, oh, so... I don't know if you listened uh, a few episodes back, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes back, my friend Mike Young was on. I interviewed him. He was my one and only guest to date, and I I will have more guests. Uh, But Mike uh, Young was Bob Saget's opener. They were on the road together. They were on tour together for a few years. They were really good friends. Um, Mike Young is a hilarious comic. He's from Detroit. He moved out to L.A., and then he just moved back to Detroit because he wanted to get engaged to his girlfriend, very nice, his pandemic girlfriend, who's very sweet. But anyway, um, they just started getting back on the road together and uh, just totally, totally tragic. Um, we didn't uh, find out from my uh, Mike that Bob had passed away. Um, we found out uh, from someone else and they had said that that there was a rumor that he was found dead in the hotel room in Florida and you know, we were both like, no way, that can't be true. That can't be true because, you know, we're just sitting on the couch watching TV. No way can that be true. He's only 65, so young. And um, and then I went on uh, Bob's uh, Instagram and, you know, it was, a, you know, nothing. nothing. No one was saying anything. And then there was eight, it, his last post said, oh, I was on stage and I did two hours last night. I had the time of my life. I didn't even know two hours went by. Where did the time go? And then there was 18 comments and one comment just had popped up when I was looking at it and it said, you know, rest in peace, Bob. And, and, uh, and then the, one of the people that liked that rest in peace post, it was only one person I knew. And I knew that if this person liked that post, then it was true that, uh, he had passed away. And and that, that, that's how we kind of found out. And then like an hour later we got the official, um, confirmation. And, Just, uh, sad, America's dad, Bob Saget. I'm sure you read everything or everything you could possibly read about it if it interests you. But to me, I grew up Friday night, I don't know what time, seven, eight, nine o'clock, whatever it was when I was a little girl, would watch Full House, so excited when Full House came on, um he was a dirty comic though for such a squeaky clean dad he was a filthy comic everything was shit fuck pussy i know it's disgusting i could i'm cringing as i'm saying these words i know sorry mom if you're hearing this um but yes i do know those words but the thing um the thing that is is remarkable about bob saget is that one i i actually haven't met him he was going to come on this podcast shame 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 that would have been so fun but i really made my childhood go full circle you know but he um Apparently, he was such a generous guy. He was such a generous guy. And I know from my friend, Mike Young, when the pandemic was happening, Mike and I were on the phone every single night, especially in the beginning. You know, at the time I didn't have a boyfriend, he did not have a girlfriend, and the world was crazy, and we were just two comedians that were both funny people and funny people on FaceTime talking to each other, and every night we were on the phone. That was just what we did. We spent months on the phone. He was helping me with some jokes. We would just laugh and talk, and he was telling me his time about Bob um, on the road, and he, Bob paid him a nice amount of money. Um when a lot of comics, uh, headliners, don't pay their openers so great. You would be surprised. And um, I, I, I would never name any names. I, would, I, mean, I, I, I could never. That's career suicide. But if you're um, an absolute A-list comedian, you've had your own television shows or whatever, you can most certainly, you're making a ton of money on your shows when you go on tour. As a comedian. And you can most certainly afford to pay your openers and features on the show. And Bob did that. He was so generous with Mike, paid him great, took care of everything he wanted. Uh, Mike became part of his family from the stories that Mike told me. But there are these comedians that are very successful and they can afford to pay, and da-da-da, and they don't pay their openers and their features. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame because the people, um, because they were once at the earlier stages in their career too. And uh, how could you do that, not pay somebody fairly? But Bob did not do that. He was a class act. From everything I heard about, I'm not gonna pretend I knew him, from everything I heard about from Mike and from friends and friends of friends, he was amazing. But the most amazing thing about him, in my opinion, is that he went from America's dad, super, super, super squeaky, squeaky clean, a family show, and then at night when he was a comic, he was absolutely filthy dirty. And not only is that risky on his part, um, it shows that he has such a range, and it shows that he can appeal to such different audiences. Um, Personally, I don't love that super dirty humor. It's just not my thing, but he, he was very, very talented. So rest in peace, Bob Saget. And somebody had said, which I thought was just hilarious, they said, yes, it's sad he died, but at least he'll be in heaven with Elvis and he'll get to tell Elvis how much Uncle Jesse loved him. Isn't that so cute? It's just so cute. Anyway, I am really going off the tracks here with my New Year's diet. I said to a friend, I think it's called a diet because every time I'm doing it, part of me is dying. You know why I'm dying? I'm dying because I just got a bread maker. Oh, I don't know if you know about the bread maker. I don't know. You got to get a bread maker. Here's the deal. Many moons ago, when I first visited my ex-in-laws in in their hometown of Wales in the UK, um, you know, we went and uh, they have a beautiful home uh, there. And uh, my mother-in-law at the time, where I was just engaged, so my, at the time, fiance's mother, had... Uh, like a little uh, laundry room slash shed area in her house. And she had her laundry there and, um, you know, gardening stuff. And on the counter was this silver box that looked like it came from Mars. And I said, what was it? And it was a bread maker. And every night she would bake fresh bread in the bread machine and uh, serve it on the table in the morning, you know, with butter and jams. And it was so, it was just, like, so nice. I didn't come from a family where the mother was putting fresh bread on the table in the morning. My mother was, like, throwing a peaches and cream oatmeal packet at our heads. And was like, here, eat it. You know, microwave it. It's good. Maybe on the weekends when I was a kid, my father would go and get jelly donuts and, uh, and bagels and, on a Sunday. And we really were, like, living our best life. Maybe we got orange juice, too. That was the best. But... Every day for breakfast, uh, she would have toast out, and it was so nice. And then sometimes she would make another bread for uh, dinner. I was just completely uh, flabbergasted by this device. And so when I got married, I got one, and I went on a tear of making uh, breads. And it's just the easiest thing to use. It's the one I used to have was a Cuisinart, uh, it was bigger Cuisinart bread maker. You could go on Amazon and find it, but I recently re-bought a compact one and, um, it's about a hundred dollars and basically you, uh, it's just the easiest thing. It comes with a recipe booklet. All the recipes in the booklet are good, but there is a, there is a bread machine cookbook on Amazon for like five or $6 you could buy. Of course I bought that too. And, um. Because I have so many cookbooks, my freaking bookshelf is bending in half. But anyway, um, all you do is you put in the ingredients. And in, 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 you have to follow the steps. So you put the water, you put the sugar, you put the flour. You got to get bread machine yeast or active uh, active or fast rising yeast, whatever it is. I got the bread machine yeast to stay, to stay safe. And you push some buttons on the machine. Three, four, five hours, whatever type of bread you're making. It dings, it's done, it's amazing. It is absolutely incredible. So, so far, I've made, and by the way, the bread, I made an Italian bread, but the bread is not a long, skinny Italian bread. The bread, it, it comes out in like a, a square cube. So, you have to like that kind of thing, uh, like not be scared that a, a square cube of bread is coming out of a silver box. But I think it's great. So far, I made Italian bread golden raisin and fennel bread. Uh, I made a semolina bread with orange and uh, cranberries. I made a basic white bread. And a couple days ago, I made challah challah bread, which required an egg and some sugar. Everything's absolutely delicious. You got to get one. I mean, it's, and by the way, you also, it also makes a great gift for any, if anybody likes to do anything in the kitchen, or if you have a friend that likes just doing uh, crafts and stuff, this is, like, the best thing. And my daughters love it, which is even better. So, um, what else can I tell you? What else? What else? Ooh, girls are back from the UK. Mm. They, had, um, they had a great time there. They had a great time. I wish they had cousins here in, uh, in the U.S. I didn't realize when I was getting uh, married that I was going to have such an international family. It's kind of sad, though, because after the divorce, my ex-mother-in-law, she never called me. She never emailed me, never texted me, never spoke to me again. Neither did my ex-sister-in-law, who's Japanese, but that's okay. She didn't speak English when I first met her. Not that that matters, but she she wasn't very uh, social, and it's not like she was like a English-speaking, you know, Japanese girl when she was in Japan, and she would know maybe to call me up and say, oh my God, just... She didn't speak. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody in that family spoke to me. So while I have family in the UK, uh, and I still do consider them family, they do not speak to me. They have not spoken to me. So it is sad. But my girls went. They had a great time. They they, they came back from the UK, and, um, you know, they would jet land. So these kids, they've been waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning demanding cucumber sandwiches and bowls of porridge. <laughs> I'm like, go back to bed. Goldilocks eats porridge. Go back to sleep. I've been so tired. You have no idea. Divorce is hard, though. I mean, you know, it's just a hard thing. Like, there was actually an article in the New York Times. I have it in front of me. I'm halfway through it. Um, It was in the Sunday, January 9th paper. The title of the article is Divorce Doesn't Have to be Lonely. And um, the whole article, well, the whole article to the part that I got up until... The article from t- to where I'm reading to is uh, is just about how there's such a stigma around divorce that you get divorced and you're sort of this going to be this old lady that lives in her house uh, or old guy that lives in the house and you're just going to have cats and dust bunnies everywhere and it's really not like that and if you have a support system your friends your family you'll be fine and you can live um, post divorce with or without kids but. You know, if you don't, here's the thing for all you girls that are married listening to this, you know, just as well as I, if you get divorced and you don't have kids, it's sad, it's sad, but come on, you could get over that. You don't have kids. It's a clean break. You get so what you got, so you got married to somebody, you got married to somebody, you got engaged, you had a big wedding, big fucking deal. You got, you were married for three years, 10 years. 20 years, you didn't have kids, you got divorced, all right, fine, you lost your friend, you don't have to talk to the person anymore, especially if you're the one that initiated, di- initiated the divorce, but if you get divorced, and you have kids, that's it, that guy's in in your life for the rest of your life, and vice versa, whether you like it or not, until one of you drops dead. So it's really fucking shitty that my that my mother-in-law doesn't speak to me. And so my divorce, in that regard, in, in regards to my ex, is lonely. Because I don't have, I don't share any memories with them. I don't, we don't talk. It's just like they were just never in my life. But they weren't nice to me. And so fuck them. But the article is a good article. I recommend it if you have, to send it to somebody. Divorce doesn't have to be lonely. In the New York Times, if you have any friends that are going through, through divorce, if you're thinking about getting divorced, I would send it to them or just read it yourself. In retrospect, I actually, I've said this before a bunch of times, I don't recommend it unless your husband or wife is abusive or, you know, blowing all the money or, you know, has a real gambling. My grandmother would always say, still says, unless he's a drunk, a druggie, uh, a a bum, he can't hold a job, he's a gambler, just make it work because nobody will love your kids like the father and you'll never have the same connection with somebody as you would with like the father of the child. And she's right. She's right. We got divorced for a bunch of reasons, cultural differences. He just decided he didn't want to have sex one day. He would withhold sex. Can you imagine? Um, there I am entering my sexual peak in my thirties. And then this guy just decides he's stopping having sex. That was like, what the fuck? I didn't want to live my life like that. And it was really terrible. And there I was at work trying to go get my attention from men I work with trying to get kicks around the office. And no, I didn't cheat on him. I didn't do anything with people in the office, but I was actively excited. If I had a work husband, you know, that's the guy in the corner office that you're flirting with throughout the day, wearing a pretty dress. So he acknowledges you. And you know why I was doing that? Where I liked that kind of attention. I liked it because I wasn't getting it at home. And he was terrible like that because he was uncomfortable with his own intimacy. Then of course we went to marriage counseling, which I was so exhausted by the time we got there, which probably wasn't the best idea, we should have probably started earlier, that I didn't even want to partake in it. And then he would say shit like, I don't need to go to therapy, there's no problems with me, glug, 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 13 beers later, anyway, but he wasn't a drunk, but he drank too much and he did, his personality did change when he had the drink, so anyway, but even with all that, I probably shouldn't have gotten divorced as much as um, I love my boyfriend now and as much as my life is great knock on wood thank god um and i'm doing okay i'm able to get by stay in my house raise my daughters blah blah there really is nothing like you know um being with the the person that you decided to you were re- initially agreed to marry have a family with and just slugging it out just it's you two and and that's it, and it's nice, and I didn't have that support, so my divorce with, in regards to my ex-in-laws is lonely, and with my own family, to be honest, now my family's around or whatever, but again, my own family, my mother, my grandmother, you know, they have their own things going on, so they weren't really around when I was getting divorced either, they were there, but they weren't like, oh my god, you're getting divorced, what could we do, let me help you try to patch it up, people were like, "Oh, oh god, they're having problems, fine, just get divorced, and that, you know, that was that, but the article's good and it talks about how you can still thrive. Blah, blah, blah. Worth Definitely worth the read. Seeing that it's January, I'm trying to adapt some new habits like save more money on the topic of being a single mom. I I got to really restrict my online shopping. That's the thing. I knew it was a problem when I bought a Liza Minnelli wig on Amazon. <laughs> I mean... What business do I have buying Eliza Minelli wig? And then I thought, let me just really do it up big and order a Barbara Streisand wig. I mean, what the hell am I doing? That's really, you know, you're really in dire straits when it's two in the morning. You can't sleep. You're on the couch in your comfortable blankets with hot rollers in your hair, scrolling through the bright glow of your iPhone on Amazon, ordering polyester wigs. And dropping them in your cart. And of course, the wigs came. And um, they were tiny. They barely fit my head. Because I was ordered them in a, in, a, in a crazy state. So I returned them. But I ordered another one. Only a Barbara wig. I returned Liza. Short black hair doesn't look good. But you know what? I love Barbara Streisand. And um, maybe I'll start doing some Barbara skits. That's really when my mom's going to call a shrink and be like, okay, somebody needs to go get my daughter and throw her on a stretcher. Because... You know, I thought it was a little strange maybe when she was getting divorced. I thought it was strange before the divorce when she started doing improv, making stories on stage out of nothing. And then I thought she was maybe mildly crazy when she started stand-up comedy. And then she started doing videos, and now she's dressing up as Barbara Streisand. She's dre- my daughter's dressing up as a 75-year-old lady that lives in Malibu, California, while nobody's home in the house. I mean, I get it. On paper, sounds a little nutty. But you know what? Hey, girls are going to live. Girls gotta live. I hope this wig is better though. The, the first Barbara wig that I got, it was a platinum blonde and it was like a bob. It, it ended right at my chin and it was kind of stacked in the back and it was that really bad wig hair. You know, it was like Barbie hair. So, you know, you touched it and like strands, like straw strands came out. This wig is more like an ashy, uh, ashy blondish brown um, and it looks like it has a little, <laughs> a little bounce to it. Listen, the ladies in the fifties and sixties, and some today now, but but the ladies back then, they really wore wigs. Like they wore wigs that, like, just had they would wear a different pair of shoes going to a party at night. I I actually like wigs. It's just it's the human hair wigs that skeeve me out. Like, like, like this wig is a fake synthetic wig. But I've been to the the wig shops, and um, and the thing is, is it's like whose hair is this on your head, <laughs> like? What kind of life did this person live before they decided to chop off their wig, their hair and donate it to a, what a wig maker? Like it's def I'm definitely wearing dead person's hair. That's what it is you know, in the Jewish community in um, Borough Park, Brooklyn, my grandmother grew up in Borough Park in a Hasidic community, which by the way, can we do a quick tangent? I did a video uh, on TikTok and I posted it on Instagram about trying to get a decent bagel in my neighborhood. And the only place I could get a bagel was at the Jewish museum because all the, 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 the bagel stores were closed. I got quite a few uh, messages from people saying that I'm a anti-Semite, and I'm a Jew hater. And I was just like, what the fuck is a Jew hater? You psycho. First of all, I used to say that I'm not Jewish, but when I was younger, this is what I was running around saying in high school. I'm not Jewish by blood, but I would like to be Jewish by injection. I mean, I love the Jews. The Jews and the Italians are very similar. So the hell with all you people. But one woman really, really upset me. I really let it get to me. She was like, you, how dare you refer to us as the Jews? How dare you refer to us as people that are great in business? How dare you? You hate Jewish people. I used to be your biggest fan. I love you on TikTok, and now you lost my trust. So I'm, I said to her, okay, lady, I said, please. I didn't mean any offense to it. I really didn't. I said, and by the way, my grandmother grew up in Borough Park. She grew up with all the Hasidic Jews. All I heard my whole life was stories about Jewish people and how the Jewish people, they're great business people and we should be more like the Jewish people and they dress sensibly and, dark, and gray and dark gray and navy and black and, and not colors like hot pink and feathers at least. You know, I respect them. But anyway, my grandma did grow up in Borough Park in Brooklyn, home of the Hidacidics acid, and uh, what the Jock Jews in Brooklyn. And she wanted me years ago to take her to get a wig. And she said, take me to Borough Park because the ladies there are fabulous. They have money and they do the best wigs. So I said, okay. So we went down to a wig place in Borough Park. I, you know, I picked her up. My grandma, she's in Bay Ridge. Drove her down and you'll die. We get to this schlocky building. We go upstairs, third floor. She, my grandma's trying on wigs. And... Um, there was ladies in there, the Hasidic ladies. You know, they have to shave their head and they wear a wig um, in public. And there's a taxi service for women, a taxi service for women that, uh, to shuffle them from their home to the wig shop. So they don't have to be seen in public without their nice wig on. And it's called, brace yourself, Shloma's Express. I swear to God, there's a, there's a Lincoln Continental driving around in Borough Park, B- Brooklyn called Shloma's Express. Could you die? But anyway, human hair wigs are the best ones. This Barbara synthetic, we'll see. I I, I hope it's decent. But yeah, need to start the money saving, need to start that up. I um I went through my bills the other day and I called all of the uh rogue companies that are charging me a dollar ninety nine and three ninety nine and I canceled my car garage my uh, garage, yes, my car garage, sorry, spot in Manhattan because I don't need to pay that kind of money um every month to park my car that I don't have. I still don't have a car. And I'm happy because I was going to Long Island. I have a. I was going to Long Island um, a couple times a week to my office uh, there. But now my company's told me that they'll get me an office in Manhattan. Um, we have a few offices in Manhattan. Nothing big, nothing fancy. But I'm gonna be there. So thank God, because you know what? Not that I don't love Long Island, I do, and and you know, not that I wouldn't want to live there. It's all very well and good, but driving and the reverse and the reverse commute's not bad from Manhattan to Long Island but going to Long Island um it's ta- it does take me like an hour from my house in traffic sometimes longer and this pandemic, I've gotten so much more time with my kids, having breakfast, having lunch, um, you know, taking them, picking them up from school, whatever, that I don't want making dinner. I don't want to go back to to, to being, um, you know, commuting two and a half, three hours a day. I'm not doing it. I'm not. But it's not really also I'm not doing it. I don't have a car, so I can't. So they're so nice, the people that I work for. My boss is just the best. And he said, don't worry. Like, let me get you an office in the city. Things are hard. And I said, I really, I told him, I was so grateful. I really was. Because the other thing is that my kids, maybe like yours, um, or people that you know, you know, my kids fell behind a bit in the pandemic. So they need some more help, you know, uh, tutoring and help with math or reading or whatever. And I'm the mom and their dad's the dad. And who else is going to do that except us? So I appreciate them making it a bit easier for me, getting me this office in Manhattan. So I'm happy about that. But you now I, I really got to work on this money-saving thing. So, uh, you know, calling Google, asking you why the hell are you charging me a dollar ninety nine a month for Google Play that I didn't sign up for isn't exactly going to move the needle, but I'm working on it. I am working on it. I need to stop getting things from Costco. I'm like, ah, 36 rolls of toilet paper. I can handle that. Um... I'm filming a pilot I told you called Wise Guys, um, a couple of comics during the pandemic. They wrote a uh, like a, a a mob sitcom, funny sitcom, and I play the lead female. We shot some uh, a teaser for it the other day in Jersey City no, there's no pilot yet. There's no actual show yet. They're just pitching. They're pitching Netflix. They're pitching YouTube. I'm excited. This would be great. Bobby Finero's in it. Bobby Finero. And he's a big fan of mine. Um, he played Eugene Pontecorvo, Cuervo in The Sopranos. He's the nicest guy. He's the nicest guy. Let me tell you a story about Bobby. Bobby Finero. Okay. I should got him on the podcast. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. Bobby Finero. Bobby Finero was working, he'll tell you himself, but he was working, he's from Staten Island, beautiful man, he was working at the door at Caroline's Comedy Club a bunch of years ago, and uh, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, working the door, wanted to get into show business, didn't really know how, but he's at the door, whatever, working the door, and one day, who do you think walks in? James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini walks into Caroline's and says, Bobby, you're great. Do you want to be in a show? And Bobby says, of course I do. Of course. And he says, I got an audition for you. Show up here, 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 and uh, audition. And I think you're going to get it. You're perfect for the role. And Bobby showed up at the audition, nailed it, and then landed his role on The Sopranos. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Talk about a man of his word, James Gandolfini. And that was that. That was that for Bobby. And so he's, he's set. He's great. He had a great role on Sopranos. He lives in Staten Island. He's a cook. He posts his cooking stuff online. You should follow him. And I'm going to have him on the podcast because he'll tell the story better. But he uh, knows me just from, you know, comedy and just the showbiz thing and he's uh he's the best he's the best so he's he supports he supported these young comics in their their project and said sure I'll do a role he plays like the godfather he sees that I'm trying to make it I'm trying working so hard to make it so he says "Elise, I got a thing that I wrote I would love you to be in it so I have something going on with him um so he's a beautiful man beautiful beautiful man okay here's the deal let's talk about food for a second i got this cookbook i told you about last week it's a naples and the amalfi coast it's a great book if your family's from the southern italy or if you like italian food they have this recipe in the book and i would love to know if your family eats this if you're italian or if you're not it's called a lemon salad It's very simple. All you do is you slice the lemons and you put them in a little vinegar with, I think, a little, maybe a little dash of sugar. Soak them, these like thinly sliced lemons, um, in a bowl for like eight hours covered in saran wrap in the refrigerator. Apparently, the vinegar breaks down the pith, the skin of the lemon. And when it's done, you kind of put it in a little plate or bowl or something and you sprinkle a little parsley, maybe a little chili things on it and you serve it. Well, I made this, and it tastes like hell. <laughs> I don't know who's eating this. Um, sometimes, you know, if I'm drinking a soda or something, I'll, I'll get a little piece of lemon. I'll suck on the lemon, right? But uh, I don't know if I could eat just lemons in a salad. Um, I, I thought after they these lemons marinated, I thought, well, if I had a barbecue, maybe I could get a nice piece of fish, put the the, the lemons on the fish, and, you know, kind of grill it but I don't have a barbecue. I don't even have a terrace. So, um, I'm curious to know if you know about this lemon salad. Apparently it's from Sorrento and, uh, if your family eats it and if you do eat it, uh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. But like I said, it's lemon, white vinegar, I think a pinch of sugar in a bowl overnight and, uh, the parsley after. I'm, I'm I am curious to know. But then again, all those Italians down in Italy, they're slogging espresso all day long. They have taste, strong taste buds. Maybe they do. Maybe they like a, a a taut, taut lemon salad. One of my friends posted on Facebook, who's buying clock bars these days? Funny comment. Somebody wrote the same people that are buying Chunkies and a hundred grand. I don't know why that's hilarious to me. I just think it is. You know what my favorite candy bar is? it? Do you know whatchamacallits? came out in 1978. It's owned by, uh, I think it's owned by Hershey. It's delicious. It's like a crispy peanut butter, uh, wafers and it's wrapped in chocolate. There's a little caramel in it. Oh, I love which i call. It's the packaging's wild too. It's like the most hideous color beige and like puffy letters. If you see it by the register, uh, at the supermarket, try it, you know, it's candy bar, who cares? Just who cares about the calories? Just give it a little, just give a little taste. I also love Snickers and Twix. This is how... See, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is how I know. This is how I know that I'm having issues because here I am telling you about my favorite candy bar. I felt that it was necessary to tell you about some randos post about who's buying cloth bars. I never really liked a payday. Peanuts and chocolate caramel. I like the combo, but I just, I don't know. I never really liked it. Snickers. Uh, Snickers. I love Snickers. Snickers and whatchamacallits. If you're ever on the Lower East Side, economy candy. I probably told you about this in the past because I bought my, my mom for Mother's Day. Uh, stuff from Economy Candy. Economy Candy is the oldest candy store in New York. It's downtown on the Lower East Side. And um they have every candy that's like ever been made. And you could they have a website, but I went on the website and I sent shipped my mom a bunch of old school candies, fireballs, all Mary Jane's, I think sugar babies, all these stuff she likes. But um it, it's an adorable gift for somebody. Okay, I gotta I gotta wrap this up. Okay, two things. Okay, two things. I was excited to tell you about the best leather gloves that I have from Bloomingdale's and they were on sale, but the sale's over by the time I'm recording this. So I'm terrified. I'm te- I feel terrible, but oh well. They're for next year. They go on sale every Christmas. You gotta, you gotta try them. If you like leather gloves that don't have the touchscreen thing. Bloomingdale's has these leather gloves, cashmere lined. They're $98. Let me tell you why I love them. I bought a pair last year I wanted a pair of brown leather gloves to match a coat, and uh, they're long. They're long. They come like I don't know midway up your 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 arm, and uh, not like by your elbow, like three inches down from your elbow. So your arm doesn't get cold. I love that about the glove, but they're ninety eight dollars, uh, and they're always on sale for like fifty. And so I I wore them a lot. They're warm. The cashmere on the inside's you know, nice and soft. They're a really nice glove, uh, and. They're, they're, they're like classic, and I think that finding a good pair of leather gloves is is hard. I bought a couple of pairs last year on Amazon, and they were garbage. They were like, leather gloves lined in cashmere, and then they came, and they were lined in like fake polyester cashmere, and I got rashes all over my arm. You know, that's what happens when, when you buy $10 gloves claiming that it's leather and cashmere. But I bought uh, another pair this year in bright blue, bright blue leather. They made bright blue this year, and they're beautiful. And I paid fifty bucks for them. But they're back. They're back now for ninety eight. So, eh, you, it's better to wait. Okay, product of the week. Is a robe that I just got on Amazon that I am loving. So I don't know if I told you that I love kimonos, but I do. I love kimonos. I love to collect kimonos, not like the ones from like you know the Ming Dynasty, like just just kimonos. I love the style jackets, but I love kimono robes too. And um, I wanted a kimono, and you know I went down to a few stores, Pearl River. I was in Chinatown looking, but. The thing is, is that they, they're polyester, the kimonos, and they're like scratchy. You know that scratchy satin? Like that horrible scratchy satin that doesn't move like silk. It doesn't waver. It, it, it could like pull easy. Ew. Ugh, Horrible. So I was on Amazon, and I saw this robe, and it got like a ton of reviews, like 1,700 reviews or something. And I said, let me order it. Ordered it, and it came, and it was satin but like silk. Oh, and I love it. And I got it in a bright green with pink flowers and birds all over it. The brand is Babe Yond. Like Babe Beyond, but it's one word. Babe B-A-B-E-Y-O-N-D. That's the brand. And it's uh just if you type in babe babe beyond kimono satin robe. Um my I might, if you put floral in, you might see the one that I got, but it's $45 and it is sumptuous, sumptuous. I, I, it's my new gift. It's my new gift to give people if I have to give somebody a gift. If one of my friends has a baby, I'm gonna get them this kimono robe. I think it's one size. I think that's it. And if it's not one size, if they do like small, medium, large, extra large, I probably got the large, extra large because I like my robes big. But nice, big, long sleeve, you know, big, uh, big kimono style sleeves fabric very nice it is a polyester it's because it's satin but it's nice it's beautiful I really like think you need to get it and and we didn't do TV talk we didn't do TV talk today but we're gonna do it on the next next episode but I will um because I, I have to talk to you about sex in the city that's important like you know, I feel like the first couple episodes is too much. It was too much with the PC stuff. I, I mean, like, honestly, get like, just stop. I'm still watching it because I love Sex and the City, but it's too, too much for me. But anyway, that's it. Product of the day is the robe. I'm so happy that you're listening. I always love talking to you. I'm Elise DeLucci. Quote of the day I'm leaving you, Laird Hamilton. Make sure your own worst enemy doesn't live between your own two ears. Don't be your own worst enemy. Be your biggest champion. Stick with people that support you. Stick with people that love you. I'm Elise Lucci. I'm always grateful that you're listening. Review me on the podcast, Apple podcast website. I would appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao, baby.